Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of PwC's Policy on Demand. In this interview, Scott McCandless, a principal in our tax policy services practice and a Policy on Demand host, had a chance to speak with Craig Stromberg about geopolitical tensions. This is something C-suites are increasingly turning their attention to. Before joining the firm in 2012, Craig was a member of the Senior National Intelligence Service, and he is now PwC's intelligence leader for business acumen. He leads a team of analysts focused on geopolitical, macroeconomic, and technology trends, forces and movements impacting companies, the economy, and the global system now and in the future. So just a few things on their plate. Here are Scott and Craig. Welcome to Policy on Demand. I'm Scott McCandless. Today, we want to have a conversation about geopolitical tensions and doing business in this kind of risk environment. And here to talk with us about that is Craig Stromberg, PwC Intelligence Leader for Business Acumen. Craig, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Scott. Craig, let's talk a little bit about international coordination and cooperation, maybe start on a good footing. What does that look like currently? And perhaps more importantly for our business listeners, why should they care? So the why should they care part is critical. And look, I think for all of us, it's been a while since we've been able to deal with a pre-COVID type of norm and we're even not quite there yet. But if you think back to that, okay, most business leaders could expect tomorrow to look a lot like it did today. Yes, there would be changes and there might be surprises, but by and large, what you could expect at the opening of the Bell in New York is what you could expect at the closing of the Bell in New York. Part of what COVID taught companies is that global events, large and small, can impact the way that they make assumptions about the future and they operate globally. And no longer can any business be separated by global events. Small businesses in the middle of the Midwest were affected by the fact that a ship went crooked in the Suez Canal. Changes in policy that are happening in Brussels or Beijing or Nairobi for that matter, change the way that businesses in the US and globally have to operate because of the way the data travels. And so no longer can businesses assume that tomorrow's gonna be like today because they have to understand what changes are probably coming and how geopolitics plays a part in driving that change. Maybe as part of setting a baseline, if you will. Can we talk a little bit about what coordination and cooperation might have looked like in the past? I think your, your framing of it is excellent, that it's, uh, it used to be waking up today thinking that the world looked like it did yesterday, but can you maybe paint some examples of that that will help us compare and contrast to where we are today? So it's important to have a bit of a long time frame when we answer this question. There's a couple of things that have been at play that changed the underpinnings of the geopolitical foundations that we assume are strong and have been there. So every one of us, Scott, you, me, everyone who's watching, we have been born and educated and gone to work in a world that was based off of a series of agreements that were made after the Second World War, in which there was an assumption amongst nations, even if they were competitors, that global systems, global guardrails should be there and in place to help globalization move, to help trade move, to help deconflict something that might happen between countries. What's happened in the last 20 years is that that system has begun to break down substantially. 
the biggest shock to it was really the 2008 financial crisis, which was when a lot of countries, especially in Asia, Asia began to lose confidence in the U.S.'s ability to be the steward for the global economy. But even besides that, a lot of countries have, in the last 10 years, and especially over the last six or seven years, turned inward in terms of their focus on the world. They are more worried about their own markets, their own governance, their own populations, and in part driven by populism that has risen all over the world, regardless of the type of country. And this means that countries are no longer cooperating together. Now we know that this is true because the best opportunity for this trend to have been reversed was COVID. COVID was the type of crisis that only comes along once every 100 years or so. One that cannot be solved by any one country. And it was an opportunity in which countries could have come together to try and solve the detection, the public health, the economic, and the solution parts of the crisis. They didn't, completely didn't. Even within blocks that usually work very well together, like the European Union, this did not occur. It was primarily every country for itself. And what that tells us is that while day to day, most countries get along and are trying to move in the same direction, the global system that helps to protect commerce is not working well. And COVID was a missed opportunity to improve it. It's an amazing look back, taking us from post-World War II through the last 20 years. Maybe we can accelerate to really focus in exactly on where we are in mid-2021. You'd mentioned, obviously, COVID, and that's certainly still having a big impact. Uh, so what is this? What's filling this vacuum? If we operate from the premise that in science and perhaps in politics as well, nature abhors a vacuum, what is rushing in to fill the, the, the voids or the cracks in the system that had existed previously? So part of what is rushing in to fill the void is China. Um, China does not want to take over world governance. It doesn't want to be the world's superpower, but it is slowly learning how to play the game better in terms of bringing people together, either by standards or technology or in forming coalitions economically in its own area of interest. There has been some progress of late globally. The G7 meeting that occurred recently was a good step. It was a good step in that they got along. They basically had the same policy point of view, but there is a major divergence that is happening between traditional partners like the US and Europe about how to deal with China. And China on its own is gaining more traction amongst its partners in East and Southeast Asia than it has in the past. And these are countries that want to have good relationships, particularly trading relationships with both China and the US, but the US is losing some ground here to Chinese influence. The one bright spot that I really see here is the dialogue that is happening over the global minimum tax. The fact that so many finance ministers and so many governments have reached concurrence on such a complicated problem even if it doesn't ultimately get solved. The degree of concert that has happened so far is a positive sign. It shows that when countries want to work together, they still can. I think the even bigger test is gonna come with the new round of talks about climate change 
And what are countries really going to sign up to do? Or are they going to wait to see what other countries do first? So in this new environment, what exactly does it mean for business? What can they look for? What milestones or guideposts can they rely on to try to help uh, plan for the future? Um, or are, is it a little bit of uh, everyone for themselves in this new free-for-all? So not all the news is bad here for companies. In fact, in some ways, this is good news for companies. When countries cannot get along to the degree that they are not as effective at getting along as they used to be, it creates an opportunities for corporate leadership to fill the void. And just as there is a significant amount of trust in corporate leadership in the United States, there is some mirroring of that that happens globally. And what that means is that when it is time to solve complex world problems or to create global agreements, companies, especially large companies, have more of a voice in shaping how that happens now than they ever have in the past. There's never been a circumstance in which corporations can have as much of an ability to influence the global dialogue about strategic problems as they do now. Now that's a risk calculation that every company and every board must make, but more and more companies are willing to enter into that dialogue to try and shape the global world in a way that their governments may not be able to do to their satisfaction. Craig, this seems to play right into some of the commentary we're seeing among businesses or the choices they're facing with regard to ESG, environment, societal, and governance issues. It almost seems as though the uh, non-governmental organization or NGO efforts over the last several decades have been effective. The governments have responded to some of that, uh, some of the interests that they have been putting forward. And now it seems like businesses are doing the same. Is this a situation where they need to get on board with that or they may be left behind? Or are there still some rooms in which they can maneuver uh, through this, these new turbulent waters? So look, I think you're exactly right. I think ESG is a manifestation of this ability to channel corporate responsibility and corporate power through a very specific prism. And you saw a pretty good example of this a couple of years ago when the US withdrew from the Paris Climate Accord U.S. companies stepped up and said, regardless of the U.S. government's decision, we have an environmental obligation and we are going to meet the accord regardless of our government's decision making. And what we've seen over the last couple of years in particular, companies are helping to push transformation in the social environment, in the social sphere, in ways that governments often have a very difficult way of doing. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is, is that most governance in the world is old. Governance in a lot of places is not built for the digital age. It's not built for a world that is this complex and it's not able to keep up the way that corporations can keep up. They have more ability to change their governance than governments have their ability to change their governance. And so you're seeing them fill a void in ways that they've never done before. Interesting. It's almost as if the answer to the question about what's filling this vacuum is the businesses themselves, and perhaps that's both opportunity and risk. Uh, any final thoughts as to guidance you might provide to businesses as they think about specific actions they might want to consider or avoid in navigating this? Look, one of the best practices that I think we've seen is that when individual corporations, individual boards are trying to sort out 
how do they start to influence the world? This is not a path that they need to take alone. There are increasingly multiple coalitions of the willing, sometimes by sector or industry, and sometimes across sector and cross industry, where you are able to join as a corporate leader with other corporate leaders and share a voice and share a platform and therefore share the risk. And this may allow you to explore how you can try and shape the geopolitical environment from a position of safety, as opposed to you first trying to go out and doing this on your own and putting your own brand at risk just by yourself. Craig, as always, this is terrific insight and great advice. Thank you very much for your time today. We really appreciate it and look forward to having you back as this conversation continues to unfold. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Good to see you. Thanks for listening to this episode. For more Policy On Demand, check out the link in the description of this episode. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.